Welcome to BIB Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. In town last Wednesday was an event called Motivate Vancouver. It was designed to connect early-stage companies with venture funds that were interested in potentially investing in these companies, along with established private and public sector leaders from Vancouver and beyond. My guest today leads one of those companies, 7Gen. It's a Vancouver-based company helping medium and heavy-duty fleets deploy electric vehicles and chargers. It's announced since the conference new funding that's focused on accelerating these deployments through the company's EV as a service model. Its CEO and co-founder, Friends Challenge, joins me now. Good to have you with me. Friends, uh, it's a big announcement for you. Um, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about what it is that you're hoping now this new round of financing can do. Yeah, I think we've been very lucky to find uh, to find two really good partners uh, in FTQ and Siemens that uh, can really help us scale. Uh, so yeah, the money is important, but also finding the right strategic partners is important. So Siemens obviously has a global footprint, uh, knows the e-mobility space extremely well, uh, and has provided us with hardware in the past and, and will continue to do so. Uh, although we are hardware agnostic and we will continue to work with other partners, but they really have a strategic value in terms of integrating into the ecosystem of e-mobility. FTQ has a large portfolio of companies, about 3,400, and um, a very good footprint in Quebec, which is w one of our prime markets next to BC, uh, primarily because of the subsidies that are available to fleet operators in those two markets. So what this allows us to do is really um, expand with those two partners further expand in Canada, but also go into the U.S. Uh, following some of our customers in there. Help me understand, uh, and those who are watching, uh, what uh, EV as a service model actually is. Yeah, so actually EV in medium and heavy duty applications is relatively new. Um, so it has a huge potential for savings for a fleet operator besides going zero emission, which is also important. So especially mm -hmm. in, in Quebec where there's subsidies, but those subsidies are going to roll out more nationally as well. So soon nationwide, it'll be um, uh, very economical for many fleet operators to move to electric. We can get for some, for some of our clients, we can get savings up to 30% relative to diesel. So that's mm -hmm. significant. The problem is it's also complicated. So those vehicles are much more expensive. There's a lot of different offerings out there, but how do you compare them? How do you know the difference between one operator versus one manufacturer versus another manufacturer? Uh, so, so that's where we come in. So we help with um, uh, figuring out what vehicles to use, uh, which ones can you get now versus next year? Uh, mm. uh, what charges to integrate with? Will they actually talk to each other? And also provide a financing solution, which ultimately allows our clients to start saving today versus paying three times as much for the EV and then, you know, needing to earn that back. Right. So, so that's, that's our model. Our model is to uh, de-risk for our clients moving into the electric vehicle space and start saving money as of today. There are, uh, as you know, so many models that are emerging over the next uh, number of years. And, and um, it feels right now to me, as somebody that actually owns an electric vehicle, but would probably want to get another electric vehicle down the road. Uh, it feels very messy to me right now as a field. Is, is it is it my lack of complexity that's the problem here? Or is it is it actually just a bit of a minefield at the moment? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, my minefield is a bit um, exaggerated, I think. I think, you know, once you know how to navigate it, 
it's actually not all that complicated, right? Like ultimately it, you need to sort of break it down into component parts of the vehicle and look at the different items that are in that vehicle. Like, you know, battery is sort of the number one element. So you start yeah. analyzing that and it, it like, I think once you, once you know and have experience in the space, it really becomes a lot more simple, but it's still not easy, right? Like I think you, like anyone um, uh, adopting electric vehicles can expect some issues in their run up of the adoption of those vehicles, right? And we help navigate through that. So I think what the main thing that we're seeing in the market is there is a huge ramp up in production capacity, right? Even between 2022 and 2023. So this is all, I think the main difficulty for our clients is when do we step into the space? Do we wait or do we step in now? Our prediction is the adoption is going to go so fast that you're always going to run a year, year and a half behind. So for us, clients should start looking at it today because they might have a vehicle next year if they order today. And as of the moment that that vehicle hits the road, they are saving money, right? Up to 30% in some cases. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I, my encouragement would be start today figuring out if for this works for all your operation or maybe just for a small piece of it, right? We don't expect anyone to electrify their whole fleet as of day one. We expect people to do, you know, smaller pilots to really understand, to learn. Um, because maybe also good to say that part of the messiness is also just the, the acceptance by uh, the people working in the business. So change management, right? So drivers need to learn to drive differently, to handle the vehicle differently. Yeah. These vehicles actually, well, they, they sort of communicate with the chargers, right? Like, so you need to give space for that communication. It sounds a bit fuzzy as I say it now, it, but it, it can become really pragmatic and practical once, it, once you're in the field. But it, yeah, it just requires a different mindset from drivers. And um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the many reasons why it makes sense for, for, for fleets to start early and start, uh, start some deployment in this space. There, there's a lot in your answer there to unpack, but one of the things that stood out right away was, you know, was the timing in all of this. And and on the same day, Motivate Vancouver was taking place, and and you were getting your funding together. Uh, the EU announced that it has a 2035 stop date on producing gas emission vehicles, and um, and so time is coming. Like this is this is not a, a much of a futuristic thing, especially when you now are making your procurement decisions as a fleet that might pretty well bring you up to 2030, you know, anyway. So you've got to get in there now, don't you? Yeah. And I think it's also good for people to realize, like, actually, sometimes now you can get an EV quicker than the diesel vehicle because of the supply chain issue. Uh, so, so many people, I think there's a lot of preconceptions that people uh, ultimately need to, to look at also around the timing question and around the building up of the fleet question, right? I think you know, one of the dangers is, okay, let's wait until the next version because the next version will be better. But this version today that you're only, you only might be getting, you know, in a few months time or maybe a year time will actually save you money as of day one and will have sufficient lifetime to get a very good ROI, right? So I think from that, like it makes dollars and cents to do today. And we know this is the future, like there's no doubt, right? Yeah. And you can get into the debate between hydrogen and battery electric. So to me, hydrogen will likely play uh, to some extent for long distance transportation, but for everything that can charge overnight or has, has a charging window of you know, a few hours, um, uh, battery electric today can make a lot of sense. Like yeah, generally what we do is we work with a client to really analyze their operation. Uh, and sometimes you look at a number of different routes and you say, well, this route probably doesn't make sense yet, but these routes, yes, look at what you can save. 
right? So, so that's, I think, how to, how to look at it. Yeah, it becomes really, yes, there is a, an emissions uh, and a criteria, but because of the government subsidies that are making it cheaper to, to get into the space right now, you can save money. Yeah, this might be the time to do it. This is, it, it, you know, I'm old enough to remember um, the evolution of the, you know, the personal computer and how it seemed like every six months, maybe you feel like you've made a bad decision six months earlier, but you got to jump in. You have to jump in, right? Like, and, and the way to see it, especially if you have a fleet, is okay. We'll have you know ten of these vehicles, and then we'll have ten of the other vehicles, and then slowly, bit by bit, while we're renewing our fleet, uh, you know, we'll we'll switch out the fleet over time, and uh, bit by bit, we're saving money and being competitive and all those kind of stuff, right? So, I think this is also where we come in: is really thinking through. You might not all have one brand of vehicle, right? So, how are you going to ma- manage a mixed fleet? So having ensuring that the charges can talk to multiple different fleet operator, uh, vehicle operator, uh, vehicle manufacturer, sorry, and that ultimately you can manage the fleet as a whole. That's where we come in. Yeah, is um, is it emerging uh, where there is a, a kind of a standardization um, evolving here, where, where in fact, I mean, you know, as as a, somebody who's just driving a regular vehicle, uh, I can I can charge pretty well anywhere I, I want. But uh, it's a much more complex thing when you get into a heavier vehicle. Um, is is it emerging that we're going to see a standardized charging protocol, that kind of thing? Yeah. So I'd say um, what we see already is that there's a standardized connection system, and uh, or it is moving towards that. It's not 100% standardized, but it is moving towards a standardized connector, and it is moving towards a standardized protocol. But still within that, we often see that there is still issues on interoperability. Right. Mm-hmm. Interoperability generally takes some co- collaboration between the vehicle OEM and the charger OEM to so ultimately, um, um, yeah, it's called it agree on the handshake. Um, and that's that's not yet there where it needs to be. Yeah. I, I think just because these vehicles are a bit more complex, um, they have just much more battery management, much larger battery packs, uh, you know, sometimes yeah. power, higher power flows and lots of other things happening that, um, yeah, we're still we're still early on that side. Yeah, it's it's a pretty profound development though when you think about the size of some of these vehicles and what what really they do today and how it is in fact they can you know the, the diesel engine can be in fact replaced here uh, with within the space of the next five years. Um, a couple of other areas I want to explore, which is you talk about government subsidies and they're of course going to be very important, but how much as you see the future with this. Um, are we going to need this kind of government private sector uh, collaboration and subsidization for a, for a fairly long stretch of time as we make this transformation? So, you know, Deloitte, as well as Bloomberg New Energy, um, uh, they, they predict what they call price parity around 2025. Like, it's uncertain if that's also for medium and heavy duty, but you know, definitely for light vehicles. So, um, it is all about production capacity increasing. So, you know, my prediction is all the inve- like most investment of new production capacity will go to EV, or or at least zero emission vehicles. And so, bit by bit, the the, the internal combustion engine just will receive less investment um, because there's just one pot of investment money. So, you know, whether it's 2025 or 2026, I think we're on a path that is pretty pretty quick in terms of seeing um, uh, prices for for EV come down bit by bit, and prices for diesel probably just going up. Like if you want one, it's going to be an anomaly. 
mm-hmm. and, you know, 2035 no longer like jurisdictions are no longer going to allow uh, internal combustion engines or at least diesel and and, uh, and gasoline. So, yeah. I think we're on a path where these lines are going to intersect, whether it's through increased cost of the one or decreased cost on the other. We are going to see that ultimately government subsidies can uh, scale down to zero. And I would predict, you know, like I don't have a crystal ball, but I would predict that sort of in the 2026 to 2030 range that there we're going to see that um, the compression capacity uh, and all those things come together so that we can, we can see that. Difference. Okay, so short of a crystal ball, can you also give me a sense of where you think uh, the companies that now uh, have service stations that are, where you're pumping gasoline, where where will they fit in? Do you think? Yeah, I mean that's a good, that's a very good question, and I, I'm not sure I have a good answer. So you know, I think if we look at um, everything that's sort of more highway related, I, I think those will require charging stations. So you know, just to for one, just to relieve range anxiety, but also people will yeah. need to be able to charge while they're driving longer distances. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I think people will ultimately, especially with light vehicles, charge at home, right? Overnight charging at home. Um, but yeah. and for our fleets, generally the best solution is to have a dedicated charging depot where those vehicles sit at night, uh, so they will charge there and they will not need those gas stations to to fill up. So whether they can be used for um, for, for other purposes or not, that that yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, you're going to deal with various fleets, and and I have some I have lots of interesting uh, ideas about about how these things might work, but maybe they're all wrong. Um, I'm thinking about you know the the delivery vehicles that are out there on the road for 12, 14 hours a day sometimes, um, and where time is money, of course, they can't totally afford to take a couple of hours off and get themselves charged back up again. Uh, are we banking on battery power being so much better or hydrogen? Kind of introducing itself into the system in such a way that that we can just keep ourselves going on this or or is the nature of delivery services maybe going to have to shift a bit so actually last mile delivery is our prime prime market right so it's the almost the easiest to well easiest yeah it's, it's sort of the best target for electrification and the reason is they generally don't do more than about 250 kilometers in daytime i mean there are exceptions right like there's more regional deliveries but if we call about urban delivery urban delivery is generally you know, call it between 100 and 250 kilometers per day. Um, um, and that is very doable today with technology that's available today, uh, mm-hmm. especially if there is enough time to charge at night, meaning your investment in charging infrastructure is a bit lower. Like the shorter you have to, your, the shorter your time frame for charging, the higher your investment in chargers. Yeah. Uh, so with last mile delivery and courier companies and all those, those that is the number one um, segment that, that can electrify today. And what about the the larger trucking fleets, the ones that you know, are long haulers uh, that get out there and uh, cross provinces in the course of a day? Yeah, I think for that it's for that for uh, for for battery electric, it's early, right? So we will need uh, a very significant increase in battery energy density to be able to serve uh, long distance transportation. So to me, they are for more prime targets for uh, for hydrogen for now. Yeah. So. You know, again, it will be a dollars and cents thing. So, so we're trying to figure out how this hydrogen, how will the hydrogen infrastructure develop? What will the cost of the hydrogen trucks be? Um, how will battery density develop, and how will those cost curves emerge? Um, yeah, I, I can't predict that. But if I look at it from a perspective of today, um, yeah, like just putting too much batteries on the truck will lose all your payload, which means yeah. 
just you know it's absolutely useless so so yeah we're not focused on that we're really focused on if you're doing maybe up to 300 kilometers a day maybe a bit more um uh, and you have a, a, a time slot in which you can charge the vehicle and uh is hydrogen the inevitable future here because because you know the, the rare earth uh, minerals that we need uh, in order to do some of the batteries? I, I don't think so. I think, I mean, ultimately, this is all, like, also a crystal ball, but we see quite a number of different new battery chemistries coming up, which are less reliant on, uh, on, on rare earth minerals that have more common minerals in there um, that have better energy density, are cheaper to produce, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a huge amount of movement in there. So to me, like light vehicles, you know, battery electric is sort of, you know, seems almost a done deal like i'm not 100 percent, but like i think uh, it, we're, we're we're close there i think for medium heavy duty it'll be a dollars and cents thing so if you look at the physics of hydrogen hydrogen is probably about 40 percent efficient from what they call from from well to wheel uh, uh -huh. or maybe less, right like so just because you lose on the electrolysis of creating hydrogen or however you create it the, the compression the transportation the storage and then you know pumping into the vehicle compressing again like all those different steps that are required the fuel cell that you're using to convert it well to wheel about you know 40 percent or maybe even less battery electric is upward of 80 percent efficient right from well to wheel so so including distribution including sort of the generation and, and creating getting the power to the vehicle and having it hit the road so i think that alone from uh, a dollar's uh, perspective should make should make battery electric cheaper over time provided that the technology can actually provide the energy density in the batteries to have the range and all those other questions that, that we have. Like, that's that's going to be the big question. And can we charge fast enough? Like there's a whole bunch of questions that will need to be answered. But yeah, to me, the dollars and cents should win out. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who are auto mechanics and of course they're uh, wondering about their futures. Uh, but, but does uh, EV as a service uh, also kind of, you know, intersect somehow with at least the routine maintenance that is required uh, for a lot of these fleets. Yeah, fully. And, and the, our role is also to ensure that the fleets have maintenance for these vehicles that are generally newer and you know, like more exotic than what they're used to and help them find ways of doing the routine maintenance. So that's definitely part of our service. Yeah, yeah. The software, uh, software reboots all the time. Um, so uh, then sketch out for me, uh, a little bit about what you hope will be the scaling up of 7Gen and, and where you think your place in the market will be, uh, you know, where you are now and where you hope to be in, in two, three, four years. Yeah, so our first step is to, um, like, we're still very Canada-focused. We have offices in Vancouver, in Montreal, and Toronto, and um, those are our prime markets for all kinds of reasons, but, you know, hoping to expand further into Canada with current customers as well as new customers coming in. Uh, looking at expanding into the U.S. Uh, still this year over the coming quarters um, in a number of different states uh, with one of our current clients. Um, so, and and we have a, a number of different uh, yeah, other opportunities with career companies specifically to also serve, serve that market. And then we will look at Europe. Europe is further advanced and further ahead. So we'll have to figure out like what is our competitive edge in that market and we'll need a strong solid base here in North America before we venture there. Um, but it's definitely on our, on our, on our minds. I think can you, can you already notice uh, something that you're learning in a Canadian market that you think your international counterparts might benefit from eventually? 
Is it, is it dealing with the weather, if nothing else? Well, the, the cold is something that, for example, especially in Quebec, is something to um, to yeah. reckon with. And they have some in Ontario, obviously. Uh, here in BC, where it's a bit milder. But um, yeah, I'm not sure that is unique. Like, well, I mean, there's not less so in Europe, but we're dealing often with the same types of vehicles that they have there. Um, I think if anything unique is around our process to evaluate sites for electrification, to do that cheaper, faster, simpler, uh, in collaboration with our clients, um, is something that uh, that hopefully will give us a competitive edge, uh, because this is going so fast that you know we can't have, we, we need to really simplify the process and remove a lot of the cost involved in ultimately getting charging infrastructure installed. Yeah. Listen, congratulations on the round of funding. Uh, congratulations on the, the evolution of the company. It sounds like you've got the bright future there. It must be, you must be very optimistic as a leader. I am, and it's primarily due to the team. Like our team is awesome, amazing. Like I have some, some really, really good team members that uh, I'm just so proud to work with every day. I'm still waiting for a CEO to say, yeah, it's all because of me. <laughs> <laughs> But that they, is, probably, they probably exist. <laughs> I ever get to interview? I don't, I don't want to be that person. Elon Musk will probably get that. Yeah, uh, but everybody short of him uh, is is very conscientious of the team. It's good good for you, friends. It's really nice to talk to you. Good luck. Great to speak to you. Bye bye. I'm Kirk Point, publisher and editor in chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching.